Howdy, this is Brownstone Cowboys Magazine, Conversations. We get two creatives with a common focus to sit down and share their truth. In this episode, we sat down with Michael Stipe and Jesse Paris-Smith to talk about environmental activism, whether it's better to be digital or live, and animal tarot cards. So, I guess we start by me announcing that I've just changed my name here, my little Michael Stipe, which is actually who I am. But I sometimes I change it every time I do one of these Zoom calls, Jesse, because um, uh, because it always says this same stupid thing, which is this really moronic nothing. But um, I was announcing to you earlier um, my my drag name if I were ever to have a drag name, which is Uncanny Valerie. Now, do you know what that's a reference to? No, please don't. <laughs> Uncanny Valley is what happens to humans when they're confronted with a robot or something that's human-like, but a little too human-like. Yeah. It's called the Uncanny Valley. And the, the normal human response to seeing this is to vomit. <laughs> no, but what made you choose that name then? Well, I'm, I think I would be such a terrible drag queen that people would just feel like nauseous around me. <laughs> so, I don't think so. I'm willing to bet money. I think we should try. Also, Uncanny Valerie. I mean, you can't get, it, no. it doesn't get much better. I don't know. I'm not quite sure how to spell Valerie, but it's just, just <laughs> Valerie. But, um, it's really early. You're in New York, right? Yes. And I'm in Germany and it's really early your time and thank you for getting up early. Thank you for being in Germany in a hotel. Yeah, it's, you know, I just threw the windows open because I just walked in and I, I think that there were other people that I don't know here five minutes ago breathing and sneezing and coughing. Yeah, that's a lot. So, it's yeah. Much. yeah, it's too much. It's all too much. Becky and I, were talk- Becky and I have this um, ongoing dream fantasy brainstorm of designing our perfect dream hotel. And <laughs> we just add to it over the years. And yesterday we were talking about how it would be nice if, when each guest left, instead of them shuffling to get someone in right away, that a whole team of people came in, like someone to cleanse the energy and like do staging, and then just like a whole team of like spiritual guides and um, cleaners and people to like maybe give it like an hour in between each person. If I had if I had some Palo Santo, I would be I would be cleansing this room right now. Yeah. <laughs> it feels pretty good. The, the the windows are wide open. It's kind of rainy here. Uh, and it's kind of shitty, but um, I, I I feel I feel safe enough, you know. That's good. I'm vaccinated. I'm completely vaccinated. You are too, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Sure. We're actually we're actually on this on this conversation to talk about mostly about activism, but then also about art. And let me turn my phone off. Art and stuff like that. And um, you're of course. Um, well, let's let's get started with how we met. We met when you we met through your mom when you were very young and very shy. <laughs> yeah, very little. I was eight, seven or eight. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, either seven or eight. And I only yeah. knew you as someone from inside the television. <laughs> the first time I ever saw a person in real life that I had only seen on TV, so I was very frightened. <laughs> I remember how frightened you were. Uh, yeah, I, remember how scary okay. I mean, that's kind of interesting because what we have now is um, uh, I have a godson who I've never met because he was born under lockdown. Wow. And I think he thinks that I don't have a smell 
and I don't have three dimensions. I only exist on Zoom and on FaceTime to him. And he responds beautifully to, to myself and Tamal. We're dual godfathers for him. Uh, on, on a flat, backlit um, reality level, but I don't know what his response is going to be when I meet him in person and he figures out that, one, I'm three-dimensional. Two, um, I exist in the same world that he exists in, not just in a box that's backlit. And three, I, I have a smell. Like, I, I have all these human traits that he might not have attributed to me. Do you think that, um, do you, think that you got, like, a head start uh, by meeting me at such an early age, <laughs> figuring out what, what, what it's like when someone jumps out of the box? Yeah. I think it, it took me a little while of like I had to hide from you in the basement <laughs> and um, I had to uh, oh no my brother had to take you into the into the basement so I could go up to bed because I was too afraid. <laughs> I remember. But, but yeah, I think um, that's just so wild to imagine because we're just family and you're such a part of like our 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 life and our family and our work and everything is all so deeply interconnected. I can't imagine anything in our lives without you. So it's funny to think that it started with being afraid that you were three-dimensional. <laughs> Four-dimensional. I'm, I'm glad that I'm three-dimensional. <laughs> we're two-dimensional to each other today, but that's okay. We can, we can uh, yeah, here we are, back to the original. <laughs> that's so funny. I prefer the real thing. Yeah, me too. And I'm sure you've done some before the I can't wait to get back to New York and give you a giant hug. Yeah, that would be so nice. You and Becky started an organ. You became this incredible activist, kind of under, uh, yes, family, and yes, we've, we've known each other since you were very young, and I was actually very young. Yeah. <laughs> but you kind of undercover uh, became this incredible activist, and, and you and Becky started something incredible with Pathway to Paris. Can you talk about that? Yeah, um, we started Pathway to Paris in 2014 in response to the People's Climate March that happened here in New York. It's the biggest climate march in history. There were 400,000 people in New York City. It was such an exciting, amazing, momentous day in the climate movement, but we didn't see that there was any cultural event or music event or concert or celebration tied to it. So we pulled together this concert, 2014, and um, it just started out as a, a single concert that evolved into a concert series for a year leading up to COP21. And then just over time developed into a nonprofit and a lot of different initiatives and concerts and festivals around the world and virtually and um, but one thing I want to mention is you've been a contributor for the last seven years. You've performed at our events and so many online things and virtual events and initiatives. But no matter where Pathway to Paris evolves to, no matter how it goes or what we do, you are always going to be the very, very, very first person to participate at all. Because at our very first event, the first thing we ever did. Um, the first speaker was Bill McKibben, and you introduced him. So it's been seven years, and in those seven years, you were the first person to do anything. You were the first person on stage, the first word spoken. 
and anything related to Catholic appearance was from you. And so I feel like that is such an amazing blessing that even if we go on for 30 years, you'll always be the very first person. And I think that's super special. I'm so honored. I'm really honored, Jesse. I didn't realize that at the time, in fact. You asked me to introduce both McKibben, and I know him from his work, of course, but I'd never met him, and I'd ne- I didn't know his smell. I didn't know, yeah. him, I didn't know him as a three-dimensional character. So to be asked suddenly um, to introduce him, I was like, oh, i got to put some notes together. And I, I did an okay job, but, man, like some of the people that I've met through you guys and some of the people that I've met through Pathway, it's incredible. It's like these really, like, deep, I mean, you and Becky both are – you both wear a bunch of different hats, right? So you're not just activists. You're not um, just musicians. You you do all – and when I say just, I don't mean to diminish either of those things, but you both do so many different things. You've, you've introduced me to so many people that um, I would have never had the opportunity to be in the same room with, much less meet and, and, and converse and, and, and exchange ideas with uh, had it not been for Pathways. So thank you for including me. And thank you for the honor of being the first person to ever utter a word uh, in the name of Pathway to Peace. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite things is all of the collaborations that take place and the, the mutual respect between the speakers and musicians. And oftentimes, you know, the, the musicians are like, oh, I'm, what am I doing here? Like, this like amazing writer or global thinker is on stage, but that person is thinking, what am I doing here? This amazing musician is here. So there's just so much mutual admiration, and then we see lots of collaborations and partnerships continue after um, our events, and that makes us very happy. I mean, it it sounds a little Pollyannish, I guess, or or like like head in the sky kind of for me to say it, but it, it does point to the fact that with climate change and with this with this um, global issue that we that will be a part of our lives ongoing for the rest of my life certainly uh, and probably yours as well um, that we each are able to recognize that within our capacity and our ability the thing that I do I can do something to help I can do something to educate myself I can do something to help others to educate themselves or to push them into different ways of thinking or, or debating or conversing or, or, or even, um, if need be, compromising our ideas uh, in order to find a way forward, right? And so, in a way, you know, whether, whether we're an academic writer, um, whether we're um, an environment, environmentalist writer like Bill, um, uh, a musician like myself, an artist like you, uh, a musician like you, an artist like me, um, all of us have some contribution that we can make, even if it's in a very small way, in a very small way on our daily, in our daily lives, but also in amongst each other. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's safe to say. That's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. And it's another thing that I really like to focus on is no matter who a person is, each of us, like you said, has platforms and resources and audiences and communities and skills that can all be put to use and so every single person that we speak to um whether it's a, a school teacher in a small town or it's a you know world recognized artist like every single person has a role and they just need to identify how they can be part of it and also find their people that they can you know work with if you don't need to be 
good at everything and connect with everything, but if five people get together and they each have different skills and different things to offer, then together they can do amazing things. So, yes, definitely. Every single person, we all have our role in our own um, unique platform, for sure. Would you say that climate change and, and uh, focus on the environment uh, moving forward would be, is that is that for you the number one political issue or uh, as an activist, would, would you say that that's your number one issue? Or um, I think that, this up the crossover? The, yeah. yeah, I think the climate crisis is kind of like the overarching umbrella that includes all these different things like racial justice and gender inequality and indigenous rights and poverty. So they're all interlinked and they can't really be spoken to separately. They all kind of need to be spoken to together. And as we make like super ambitious climate action plans and um, moving forward, it has to include all of those things. And, um, and all of those things will get worse if the climate crisis gets worse. So they're all super interlinked. Um, but kind of the climate crisis is like on top of them in a way because it's about our shared home. So if we don't have a shared home, then we can't really work on everything else. But so yeah, I think it's it's like the overarching umbrella that is the most critical issue of our time. But it has to include, and it does include all of these other things, like naturally. In other intersecting issues and, and things that are. Um of concern to certain people or that, that all of us need to kind of yeah. recognize and address and look at, yeah. What do you think about, I mean, I just thought of this while you were talking, but what do you think about, what do you think about people that are suggesting that, that, um, that we just kind of find another planet to move to? That's really crazy. <laughs> right? Thank right? You. It's not fair. I mean, it's like, awful. It's like, let's just trash this house, leave it, then we'll find this other house to live in. Like, that's nice. We don't even know if we can live in this other house. What are you talking about? Do you even know if it's for sale? Ridiculous. <laughs> also, if we can take that a little bit further, how long does it take to learn how to, like all the different, if we can, I'm, 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 I'm the king of bad metaphors, so let's just leap into it, right? <laughs> how many skills does it take to actually build a house and how much human history did it take for us to figure out like, you know, indoor plumbing and like, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, electricity and lights or, or, you know, how to get a door that locks and um, how to make glass for windows so that we can see outside and figure out it's a beautiful day to garden. Uh, yeah. we're, we're going, we're, 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 we're presuming that there's other houses that are completely set up for us. And uh, that's a giant presumption and yeah. that we could even get, I think it's kind of ludicrous. And also that's like what you were talking about the other planet we would just go to another planet and then continue to do things as we do here and not change our behaviors or our ways of doing things first. While we're here, we'll just go to another planet, do all the same stuff that we do over here. Not that there's jellyfish and turtles on the water. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, you know, I love science fiction and I love science fiction movies. And there's like my favorite thing, this is since Alien, I think, Sigourney Weaver, the first like female, like power, like, like she, she was out there like, Blow the bitch into space. Like I, I love uh, Lieutenant Butler. But ever since Alien, you know, one of my favorite um, genres of film is uh, is put a bunch of people on a spaceship and make something go wrong because it's always going to go wrong. Yeah. And they're stuck up there and they have to figure it out. Like I love that shit. But but imagining that as a way forward for humanity is just seems like 
I can be really level in my description of things. I just proved that with my uh, swimming uh, jellyfish, sea turtle, chile. But, but honestly, like that that's just the most dumb dumb idea on earth. It's fifteen thirty. Oh, that was my computer talking. Um that's the most dumb dumb thing on earth. And you know, it doesn't take like you don't have to be like a, a hyper smart academic thinker to realize that, that there's not a whole lot of smart in that. No. It's not a sustainable solution. No. I don't think a lot of people would feel comfortable with safe with it anyway. There are things I mean, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I'm just thinking about we have enough um, problems between states and countries right now. Like, what what is what is what are kind of the main messages that you guys are sending out to people that are interested in in what you're doing? Like, in terms of what they can do as individuals. Like, um, well, right now we are um, really focused on COP26, which is happening in Glasgow in November. So. Um, a lot of our focus as we transition back to being in person and being together is on bringing as much attention as possible to COP26 and the opportunity to really push for all of the different city mayors and country leaders to make super ambitious climate action plans and turn the Paris Agreement into reality once and for all. So that's kind of what we're asking everybody to focus on is just sending messages to their local elected officials and their mayors and just getting involved locally in their communities as much as possible. Um, because the main thing about the cultural events of Pathway to Paris is to bring awareness to um, events that are happening in the climate movement, like COP21, a Global Climate Action Summit, New York, uh, Climate Weekend YC. So right now, COP26 is kind of the main focus. And, um, yeah, so we're engaging as much as possible with, with citizens and teachers. We're doing a lot of education stuff right now, helping um, teachers and, and professors and um, different institutions to help get their students more involved. So that's been something I've been really excited about lately. I just taught a class for the first time to the Queen's Library um, social justice class and did an activism course with them. And they did awesome homework. They they wrote letters to um, to the New York um, to the mayor's office of sustainability and that's been really exciting. Oh, personal um, like personal behavior. I I, I I noticed and I was really proud of this actually. This week is the first time I've drank out of a bottle of bottled water in a plastic bottle in a year and a half. Wow. Because I because I didn't go anywhere. Yeah, uh, I was I was filtering my water with my beautiful water filters, um, in in the places that I was I was in two of my homes and but um but I was kind of proud that I didn't do that and I also I was cooking for myself so, so the amount of um, the amount of, like I became basically vegan like really kind of wow. uh, vegan deep vegan deep deep. What did you cook? What kind of meals were you making? Well, I love vegetables, and so I'm I'm very vegetable based. You know, I get I don't know if is vegan the word anymore, or do you say plant based? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good with uh, green, like southern greens, um, and I like fermented foods a lot. So I I, I I I cook a lot of stuff that, um, you know, I was macrobiotic in the 1980s for a long time, so I learned a lot about Japanese cooking and about uh, you know like um, miso and um, 
natto and uh, Swiss sauce and all the all the fermented soybean products. So I use those a lot and pickles. I love pickles. I pickled my own stuff before. I made sauerkraut before. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an old hippie from way back, uh, just disguised as a punk rocker, disguised as a pop store. <laughs> and now a professor. I don't even know what I am anymore. But all, all those things kind of ran through me. Oh, wow. Cooking for myself and cooking for others, yeah, it became really exciting. If, if, if things got really bad on the coast, on the West Coast particularly, that all the people would move to Detroit or to, to Michigan. Have you heard that? Like, oh. that kind of theory? Why do they say that? Because it's on, because it's on it's on it's on one of the largest yeah. bodies of fresh water in the world. Yeah. And, you know the whole of the whole of Southern California and the the um, the the, um, the Southwest is basically propped up with you know weird water laws and water rights and yeah. you know, and you know things are dire right now. Things are weird uh, with climate change. We we have no idea, of course, where it's going to go or what's going to happen. And I'm certainly not wishing or hoping for that. But I've heard people. Theorized that that Detroit would be a a, a natural place for uh, for Americans to uh, basically climate refugees uh, who who were American within our country to travel to because it's a it's a city that's that has the infrastructure of a city that's built onto one of the largest bodies of fresh water in the world. Water will become the natural next thing that people are worrying about, and it's just so sad to imagine that instead of banding together as a planet to come up with solutions and take care of each other that people are prepping to go at war over fresh water it's just so devastating solutions I just think I think the way that we survive in the way Catherine Paris stays optimistic is just constantly focusing on solutions and ideas and tangible actions because you know people are like how can you think about this stuff every single day and how can you do this work and it get draining and exhausting and heavy and dark. Well, yeah, of course, but if you focus on not just sharing the doom and the gloom and the terrible statistics, if you also offer solutions and focus on collaborating and coming up with ideas, then, yeah, then you're able to feel optimistic and you see, like, actually, this stuff is possible. We just need this and this and talk to this person and then we can actually make this happen. So solutions keeps me feeling optimistic and hopeful and, and uh, looking to the future. Uh, me too. And that, that made me think about like all the different types of people, again, that Pathway uh, is involved with. But I was thinking about Oliver Eliasson um, and the little son. Like, yeah. that, that's, a, that's a beautiful solution to, uh, yeah. to some real sub-Saharan Africa not having uh, electricity uh, or, or, or a, a, grid, a grid that works. Uh, regularly and, and offering um, a very simple solar-based uh, light solution for people that have to spend their evenings in the dark. Yeah, I love the Little Sun Foundation. They're so amazing. And, and all of her designing that those Little Suns is such a simple, yeah, like you said, such a simple tool, but it helped, you know, countless people. They, they have these amazing... Um, projects, like you said, they, they went there places, you know, far away from city resources, or they were hit by a climate disaster and they don't have energy supply. They just send them these little suns, and they're really pretty, and they're happy flowers, <laughs> and they, you know, charge them and send them to do anything. There's no batteries, there's no, um, you don't need an outlet, and, and also they do so much great, um, 
so education and teaching students and um, communities about renewable energy. I love, I love them, yeah.